Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Joining me tonight to discuss the relationship between mental health and the COVID-19 pandemic, we have Dr. Mark Rappaport, CEO of the Huntsman Mental Health Institute, Representative Steve Ellison, member of the Utah House of Representatives, and David Huntsman, representing the Huntsman Foundation. Thank you so much for being with us this evening on an absolutely critical issue. So glad for the three of you in particular, because you represent really the three pillars of the response, not just from the state, for the, but for the country in terms of the response to how we take care and handle mental health issues in our state and our country, representing the philanthropic side, the legislative policy side, and also the treatment side. So I'm just so happy to get your expertise tonight and talk about where we're going as a state. I wanna start with you, Dr. Rappaport. Um, many are talking, uh, about there being a pandemic within the pandemic. We have the second wave as we emerge from the COVID-19 um, issues that we have been having, and it's a mental health crisis we're seeing. Talk about why that's the terminology that we're using and some sense of just how devastating this has been. Yeah, well, thank you very much for asking the question. It really has been a true pandemic within the pandemic. Over 40%, four in 10 individuals uh, report that they're having symptoms of anxiety and depression. We know now that there's been a massive increase in the number of individuals that are using alcohol and, and drugs. And there's been an increase in uh, suicidal thoughts across the board. If we look at children, if we look at adults, if we look at people of color, if we, the impact of this pandemic in terms of mental health has been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And um, it affects different parts of our population in different ways. So for many years, um, hospital personnel and physicians have sort of thought they were a little bit immune to mental health problems. But what's become apparent with this pandemic is just how prevalent problems with depression, substance abuse, PTSD, and anxiety are for first responders and people involved in caring for people um, with COVID-19. If we look at people in general, the social isolation that we've seen, the um, lack of sense of agency, the lack of, of feeling a sense of control of one's life, being able to go out normally, to the market or to a concert or to a restaurant has really adversely affected individuals. And if we look at our children, um, we're developmentally different groups of children are going to have different series of challenges they face. The young children, although they've had a, a wonderful experience with parents, haven't been able to socialize and gain the social skills that one would expect. Our children, who are in middle school and high school, not only are, are lacking the interaction with their teachers that are so important for ensuring that they stay up to uh, speed in education, but the really critical um, social interactions that are necessary for people to individuate and appropriately learn social skills. 
have been sort of lost for a while. Um, so this pandemic within the pandemic um, is really one that's going to have long-lived consequences. The only good news about it is that I think for once, the importance of mental health is really coming to the forefront for everyone. And people are realizing that all of us are vulnerable to anxiety, depression, PTSD, and substance use disorders. I want to get to a couple of these key groups, but David, what he's mentioning now is these things coming to the forefront because you are at the forefront of the response in this. Talk about not just not just the investment that the family has made into this issue, but a little bit about what's happened in the business community itself because everyone's talking about this now. Well, first of all, let me say, and I can say this because Mark's not here in the studio with us, Dr. Rappaport, how fortunate and lucky we are to have someone of his name, reputation, and expertise um, here in our community. Um, throughout 2020, we conducted an exhaustive search looking for the most capable, the best, the, the, the most gifted leader when it came to mental health. And I just want to say that Dr. Rappaport is, he's the best of the best. And so, Dr. Rappaport, we're grateful for you to be a part of our team, a member of our community here, and for all the good work that you're going to do here. And I think that COVID gives us an opportunity to talk about mental health, to talk about it openly, to have discussions that maybe wouldn't take place otherwise. And I think that's really important. You know, from my perspective, too many people suffer from the shame or the embarrassment or the pain of stigma, and it's because we don't talk about it enough. And I think that COVID and the effects that it's having um, gives us an opportunity to have discussions exactly like we're having today, and I think that's a really good thing. Mm -hmm. Is In the business community itself, are you seeing more and more of these business leaders like you and members of your family and others, uh, you, you see them making investments in this? Is this an, under, an understanding that we're finally getting in the corporate culture to an effort to reduce the stigma and to get right down to the core issue. Yeah, I, I think that we're recognizing that this is real and this is serious and something needs to be done about this. And so I think there are conversations happening today, not only in the business world, but with state lawmakers, with religious leaders, with individuals, foundations. I think everyone's recognizing that, you know, we have to come together on this, we have to talk about it, and we have to collectively join together um, to really address this as a serious issue. Now, Representative, this is a critical shift we're seeing now, too. too for too long, we didn't talk about this particular issue and people suffered in silence because of that. Uh, one of the things that both David and Dr. Rappaport mentioned was uh, the impact is, is ranges. It's not just the youth. Let's talk about that because we have the, the youth, for example, men, women, uh, minorities uh, throughout our community, communities of color impacted significantly also. Talk about the differences there in terms of the response that we are able to help with and, and their impact as well because this is not just the young people. Yeah, ab absolutely. So, you know, there's a, a quote from the movie Apollo 13, Houston, we have a problem. And a lot of people are talking about, you know, what the mental health effects from the pandemic will be. The reality is, is we had a problem before anybody had heard the words COVID-19. In, in Utah, suicide is the leading cause of death for uh, young people ages 10 to 24. And it's uh, we're you know ranked uh, in the top ten in terms of uh, states with the highest rate of suicide year in and year out, even though it's slightly getting better. It's interesting when you de delve into the numbers, we see that this ad adversely impacts men uh, in terms of suicide deaths much more than than women. 
uh, females will attempt suicide at about three times the rate of men, but men will die at about three times the rate of women. And that was true coming into the pandemic, and we've seen that data actually stay consistent uh, th through the pandemic. I, I think the important thing to understand is that every demographic, to some degree, is at, is at risk for a mental health issue. And it's important for everybody to understand what are the signs of a potential mental illness or somebody who's contemplating suicide. And when we become aware of those signs, how, how do we reach out with care and concern? What are the right words to say? And maybe what are some of the, the, the wrong things to say? I think that's the most important message we can get out because uh, suicide doesn't discriminate. It takes the old, it takes the young, male, female, and we just all need to, to learn more so we can see those signs and everybody needs to play a role. Dr. Rappaport, will you address that for a moment? Because it's just such great counsel. You are our mental health ex expert, not just in the state, but across the country, as David mentioned. For the families that are watching, uh, t tell us how we can get engaged, the things we should be looking for, how we help our loved ones. Certainly, but before even dealing with that, I, I want to address something else. And that's the fact that we're talking about brain diseases here. This isn't a, a matter of a, of a weakness. This is not a matter of a fault. It's not a matter that somebody has done something wrong. What we're talking about are, are changes in brain circuits and the fact that we can remediate those changes. We can fix them with psychotherapy. We can fix them with medications. We can fix them with somatic treatments. And it's very, very important for people to realize that this is not as as David said, this is not something to be ashamed about. This is not something um, that is uh, your fault. Just like heart disease or cancer isn't anyone's fault. You know, what we're talking about here are dysfunction of brain circuits. So how would it manifest itself? It sort of depends a little bit in terms of age, but some of the things you see is all of a sudden people begin to act differently. And in different age groups, one can act in, it'll manifest itself a little differently, as I said. But if somebody is more withdrawn, if people are having problems with sleep, if people are, are suddenly feeling as if the world is, is closing in on them and um, they can't see a way out or, or a future, if people are um, finding, themselves to be more irritable or you're noticing that your loved one all of a sudden is more irritable and more anxious. These are some of the, the cardinal signs you see with individuals who are developing mental illness and who are at increased risk for suicide. But particularly if someone manifests these types of things where they're more agitated or more irritable on a regular basis or not being able to, to see the, a way out of, of, and not able to think about the future. These are the types of things that are warning signs. And the best thing you can do is just ask, hey, what's going on? How are you feeling? Um, how can I help you? Those are some of the first questions to ask. Well, it's been interesting, Representative Ellison, because if you go to some parts of the state, because I know you showed them to me, that we have billboards, and it's how do you how do you address some of these key issues? And the the word is ask.
All right, talk about that. Yeah, so uh, several years ago, the legislature uh, funded uh, funds to promote suicide prevention messaging, mm -hmm. and we created the Live On Utah campaign, liveonutah.org. And uh, I've taken some pictures of these billboards, and uh, actually, I just received a response of one I'd, I'd put on a social media post, and a father said, I, I saw the billboard, I asked, and it says, how do you know if your child may be thinking about suicide? And it says, ask. And he says, I asked my daughter, and she says, Dad, quit doing what those billboards are telling you to do. He said, but then we went on to have a nice conversation, and, and luckily my daughter was doing well. But uh, Dr. Rappaport is, 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 is exactly right. We, we just need to ask. And you know, one way people can do that is say, you know, s some people have, that have experienced what you've gone through or experienced a loss of a job or a relationship breakup, you know, have, have considered suicide. Have those thoughts ever crossed your mind? And you know, the good news is, is we don't have to be a, a psychiatrist like you know, Dr. Rappaport to be able to you know, delve in and start doing psychotherapy, though that could you know, have a, a role in the future. We just, we just listen to them. And, and that's actually, from a clinical perspective, one of the best things we can do is just let them know that we're there and w willing to you know, connect them to resources if we deem that that's appropriate. Right. But you know, I think, I think it's really important to realize that we here in Utah benefit from having the best integrated crisis system that I know of in the, in the country. And, um, and Representative Eliston has a lot to do with that. But we've put together a system here that if you ask and you have a, a loved one who's in distress, we've got the Safe UT app, we have access to the crisis lines, the warm lines, and for mobile assessment teams, both for adults and children. We have a comprehensive system here like none other in the country. And people need to be aware of it and take advantage of it. I want to talk about some of these tools. Go ahead, David. I like what Dr. Rappaport said when he talks about this just being brain health. You know, sometimes we look at mental health as being a second class, you know, issue relative to our physical health. And sometimes it gets treated differently by insurance or by the way we think or feel or talk about it. When in reality, it's a health issue and our mental health and our physical, physical health, they're, I'm not a health ex expert, but they're inseparably connected. And we need to look at this as a health issue, no different from any other health issue. And I, I like that emphasis. And let me just say one thing here. Um, we've tried to change the dialogue for, for decades. My whole life, you'd say, oh, that person committed suicide. Let's just, now we try to use the term, they died by suicide, just like any other brain disease. What if I said that somebody who had a stroke, well, they committed a stroke or they committed a heart attack? That, that doesn't make sense. But as we you know, change this narrative that it is a brain disease, it can be treated, that, is, that was the cause of death instead of you know, a crime. Much, a very interesting and much needed reframing of that. Uh, can we get to a couple of these resources? Because David, I want to start with you, the resources that are available, but particularly for the substantial investment in mental health uh, that your family has made. Talk about the Huntsman Mental Health Institute, what you're hoping to accomplish from that, because this is going to not just help this issue in a state, but, but across the country. Well, we hope so. And our family, Jason, is extremely united together when it comes to making mental health a priority. You know, that and cancer, that's 1A and 1B, but those two will always be our pre preeminent focus. 
And I think the reason is, is that, you know, mental health is our generational health challenge, and it's also our generational health opportunity. And our family is no different from any other large extended family. When where we see, you know, too many people suffer in silence because they're hesitant to speak out for whatever reason. Too many people don't understand the effects that mental health has on the quality of their life. You know, too many people get up and they just aren't able to feel joy or happiness. You know, too many people don't know where to go or don't have access to resources to help them. And that's not okay. You know, that's not good enough. We, we have to do better. And so our family, you know, wanted to step forward to begin to try to address some of these big complicated issues. And, and these issues aren't gonna be addressed in the next year or two. These are longer term issues, but you know, our commitment is a, is a generational commitment. And our gift, you know, $150 million, as substantial as that is, I, I hope that's just an initial down payment because you know, this is a big and a serious challenge and we're, we're, we're really committed to wanting to make a difference for those people that are suffering. Dr. Rappaport, talk about this because it's such a state resource as well. Some of the research that's, that's being done by you and many of your colleagues right there to advance uh, the cause here in Utah. Yeah, we're very fortunate in the state of Utah to um, have a really strong um, resources when it comes to resource research. Um, we have one of the best groups in the country and it's a multidisciplinary group that's not just in the Department of Psychiatry here, but actually spans the entire University of Utah and the Utah population um, database studying suicide and studying the biology of suicide. Hillary Coons in our group has recently published a paper where she's identified approximately 100 different loci that may be associated with increasing the risk of suicide in, in individuals. We have individuals that are um, using the data from SafeUT and the crisis lines to begin to look at predisposing factors and the social determinants that might be influencing suicide, for example. We also have some of the best brain imaging in individuals in the country doing work in, not only in suicide, but in developing evidence-based treatments that are based on being able to change brain circuitry and demonstrating that we can re refine our treatments so that we can actually demonstrate changes in brain circuitry associated with psychotherapy, associated with um, repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation, and a variety of other approaches. But one of the critical things, and one of the things that excited me about the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Huntsman family commitment to this is the they understood, as did the leadership at the University of Utah, that we needed to go beyond standard treatments and standard approaches. And the intent of the Huntsman Mental Health Institute is really to serve as a nexus for researchers throughout the state of Utah and beyond to address these major priority areas, be it suicide or be it child mental health or rural mental health. Um, our goal is to get the best minds, people who are experts in public policy, people that are experts in business, people that are experts in, in implementation science, working closely with people that are experts in translational biology and, and developing new medicines and new psychotherapies, and basic scientists looking at the interaction between the genes and life experience, all working together 
to look at why do we have such a huge prevalence of, of, of mental illness that really uh, takes shape between the ages of 10 and 24. Um, what's exciting is that we're, that's what the Huntsman Mental Health Institute's about. And that's what we're beginning to do here. Where the, the recent, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We just outlined some of the great things that we have going on here at the state, but you know, we have a unique opportunity to do great things here. And we want the, Mark, the Dr. Rappaports of the world to wanna to come here and be a part of you know, what we're doing here. We wanna become a, a magnet to attract the best and the brightest minds to come here. And we, we, we think we have an opportunity to do that, to become a center of excellence, to become, you know, we aspire to become a national standard. Well, we're doing it right here in Utah. Our goal isn't to move our suicide rates from 48 to 45th, you know. But we wanna become a global standard that everyone else looks at how we're doing and, sa and says, we wanna follow their example. And I think that, you know, we've taken some steps. We have a lot of work yet to do, but we're, we're confident that we have that type of an opportunity before us here, and we're really excited about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. And I love the research side of this because it informs so much, but there's also certain things we can do right, even right now in our own homes. I wanna get to that because Representative Ellison, you're actually sponsored most of the legislation that we're gonna talk about here uh, in, in your role as a, as a state representative. Can we talk about some of those things? Run us through a few of them. Families should know about, uh, things that should be on our, our refrigerator, on our magnet, uh, refrigerator magnet or something like that. Let's talk about some of these. Safe UT, the crisis line, go through a couple of these items. Yeah, certainly. So Safe UT is a free app um, that any student in Utah can download. It's not only for K through 12, it's for higher education also, and for parents that have children in school. So that actually opens it up to most of the Utah population. They can download that, and what they can do is they can chat with a, uh, through the secure texting, a licensed clinical social worker, 24 seven, 365 days a year, uh, anonymously and confidentially. And it's had huge utilization, and again, there's no cost, and it can be completely anonymous. So that's, I would advocate for any parent to uh, sit down with their child, ask them if they know about the resource, help them download it, and tell them if you, know, if you ever need someone to talk to and you're not comfortable maybe talking to, to mom or dad or teacher, whoever, you can use this resource. Uh, the Utah Crisis Line, 1-800-273-TALK, is a critical resource that is answered at the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. There are, again, licensed clinical, clinical social workers that are there 24-7, 365, taking those calls. And they connect, can connect the people with additional resources if they're not able to work with them through some of those immediate challenges right then, such as a mobile crisis outreach team, which is like a mental health ambulance, right. no sirens, no uniforms, and... Uh, so how does this work? So they can come to your home. No one knows who's coming, completely confidential and private. How does that work? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I had a neighbor who was experiencing a, a, a crisis situation. Um, we sat down together and called the crisis line. The professional on the other end asked a series of questions. We had a discussion, and then the crisis worker said, you know, I think you could benefit from a mobile crisis outreach team. We can have them at your home in about 30 minutes. We stayed with this individual until the mobile crisis team came. 
uh, that's a licensed clinical social worker and a peer mentor who's had a lived experience. They've been there. They know what this person is going through to a degree. And when that team came, we, we left and the, uh, my neighbor had a fantastic experience and that person was able to be stabilized, got some strategies to deal with the immediate things they were facing, and then some ideas about longer term treatment. And so no flashing lights, no bill. It's a free service um, and we now have mobile crisis teams uh, basically statewide due to uh, recent legislation. Mm -hmm. So uh, th this is the, the question sometimes I hear, particularly in the community, you have a family member who is, who is clearly having a, a mental health uh, crisis of some sort, and where do you, you turn? You gave us a couple resources, but Dr. Rappaport, in our last minute that we have here, just, just, the, just give us a, a sense of what we can do there, because that's a, where, where do you turn if you don't know? We have, the, we have the app, we have the mobile crisis line, but give us from your expert opinion, just where do we turn right away when we need that help immediately? Well, I think that the first thing you do is to, within the family itself, it's really, really important for people to know that they're loved, that they're important, they're not a burden, and that although they may feel as if they're trapped, that they're not trapped. There's, there, there's hope, there's a future, there's a greater world available to them. And then using the resources that, that, that um, Representative Ellison just talked about, or just reaching out to um, many of the tremendous providers we have in the Utah community make perfect sense. Also, it's important to realize that um, other types of, of peer support resources do exist. There are are groups that NAMI has, there are groups that the American Federation for Suicide Prevention has. There are many resources that are available. It's, it's such a great point, and I think that's put the right frame on this, and certainly the approach from the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Thank you so much for this conversation this evening. It's critical that we have it. It's critical we talk about it in our homes as well, so thank you. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.